So Isaac, uh, you've been studying Chinese port developments around the world. Um, what are the Chinese up to? Sure have, Peter. Well, we see Chinese firms snapping up port terminals all around the globe. Um, what are they? What are they doing? Uh, snapping up these uh, these terminals, and what do you mean by firms? Yeah, so uh, a small number of Chinese firms, uh, several of them stayed on enterprises uh, over the last seven or eight years, have taken equity positions and taken over leases to operate major commercial terminals uh, all around the globe. There's a particular concentration of them along the. Uh, the line running from coastal China uh, through the Malacca Straits across the Indian Ocean and up into the Persian Gulf on one fork of the road, and then another fork that uh, heads up through the Red Sea and into the Mediterranean. And right now, there are at least 93 such facilities, and a huge proportion of them are owned by uh, Costco, a very recognizable big central state-owned enterprise in China. Uh, that used to be part of the Ministry of Transportation and by China Merchants Port, uh, another central state-owned enterprise, as well as a big Chinese private firm based out of Hong Kong, Hutchison. Um, and you know, these are these are projects that are often integrated into a much broader Chinese economic presence there. People have been fixated on this Belt and Road Initiative and Maritime Silk Road. And I think it's interesting that a lot of these projects are not explicitly linked to that. Some of them predate it, some of them are in countries that don't have Belt and Road Initiative uh, connections, but the the common denominator here is that they're all in service of this broader Chinese foreign economic policy, and it all revolves around maritime trade and transport. Um, historically, the, the Chinese economic miracle uh, over the course of the last 40 years has really relied very extensively on foreign trade. Uh, it's all about access to foreign markets and especially access to foreign resources, particularly in the developing world, commodities like oil and gas, minerals that largely come out of the Persian Gulf and Africa and Latin America. And so we've seen these Chinese firms as they get bigger and more sophisticated and develop capacity that they've wanted to go out and acquire uh, the facilities and really kind of own the whole transport network from tooth to tail and ports are fundamental to that. So, you know, you mentioned uh, the Chinese firms. I, I think a lot of these are state-owned enterprises. Is this, is this about profit or, or is something else going on? What do you think? So I think it certainly is about profit on some level, uh, but there is a, also a significant element uh, of politics involved. And, you know, the, the fact of being a state-owned enterprise doesn't in its in itself say that everything that this firm does is, is just in service of some, some Chinese Communist Party objective that's non-commercial. The reality is, is a lot of those objectives are fundamentally commercial. As I was saying, you know, the foreign economic strategy is, is to develop and build out this network, particularly by building modern transport infrastructure such that China can continue to, to grow and continue to, to trade and access resources. But, uh, you know, the, the, those bumper sticker headline policies, things like the Belt and Road Initiative, at least are indicative of this, this essentially centrally driven set of policy priorities. And there is no doubt that Chinese firms are responsive to this. And frankly, not just state-owned enterprises. Uh, for those of us who watch the Chinese political space or political economic space closely, especially over the last couple months, but I, I'd argue 
historically as well. Uh, you know, the, the Chinese party state has indeed introduced markets and has tried to tried to develop, uh, you know, something like a, a, a capitalist system, but all within the bounds of a set of political goals and priorities uh, that are defined in Beijing. And so I think we see these firms, you know, by and large, pursuing profit, pursuing, uh, you know, maximizing their throughput through their container terminals, but also at the same time, uh, kind of taking this longer or, or rather more more geopolitical vantage that comes from Beijing rather than from their boardroom uh, to say, you know, what are what are the regions and what are the countries and what are the physical places that we need to be in order to to secure China's uh, overseas interests is one of the ways they talk about it. And I think yeah, the, uh, the, those interests are definitely expanding. But um, if you if you OK, feed to the fire, you've got to answer the question. Is this more strategic or more economic? Where do you where do you fall out on that? Uh, I'd say yes. <laughs> to the fire. You know, the 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 strategy is largely economic. Uh, mm. And this is actually a question I'm, I'm curious how how you answer, which is, you know, a lot, a lot of these port facilities have have been picked up in the in the commercial press in the US. And I think especially in India uh, and other places that are concerned about China, they say who, who say that, you know, these are all essentially PLA, People's Liberation Army bases in waiting or crypto bases or they're on their way. And yet we we do just have this one PLA base overseas at Djibouti and, and even that only for the last four years. What why do you think uh, there's only one base and what do, what do you think uh, is the likely trajectory here? We'll save that for another conversation. 